Welcome to Glendale Christian Church. My name is Andrew Kirshner, and I'm the lead minister here at GCC. Thank you so much for attending. I'm so grateful to see so many faces in the crowd, and I'm very grateful for everybody watching online right now. Glendale Christian Church is all about discipleship. We are in the midst of a discipleship series, and we are all about discipleship here at GCC. We know that the Lord commanded us to make disciples, and when he said in the Great Commission, all authority has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded with you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We know that Jesus has in store for us discipleship. And so the mission here at Glendale Christian Church is simple, to make disciples. The vision here at Glendale Christian Church is also simple. It follows on that triune theme. For we want the triune master of heaven and earth to be the engine that drives everything we do. And so our vision statement is Father-willed, Christ-compelled, and Spirit-led. And we understand that God has a lot to say about discipleship. And we want to value what God values. And God values my knowledge. God values my worship. And God values my service. These first three values that God places for us, they correspond to the three aspects of transformation. You see, discipleship is a process, and the process always starts with invitation. Somebody invites you to be a follower of Jesus, and once you accept, you become a follower, and you start to be transformed. And that transformation affects your head, your heart, and your hands. And so God values my knowledge as saying that we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. God values my worship as saying that we have to live a life of trusting worship. And God values my service as saying that we need to live in loving obedience outwardly. But God doesn't just value our head, heart, and hands. God values my generosity. And when we say that God values our generosity, we're saying that God values a people-oriented disposition. We know that God is at the very center of who we are and what we do, but God wants us to be other-oriented. Not self-oriented, other-oriented. And so generosity is the disposition of oneself to give oneself away. And so we give ourselves away in terms of our money, our effort, our energy, everything about us. We're living for others. And when the world sees that we're giving away everything we are, our entire lives, because our minds are changed, our hearts are changed, our hands are changed, head, heart, and hand, they see something is different. And the last three values that we've been talking about, God values my family, God values my membership, and today God values my invitation, set the concentric circles of influence that every disciple has in their own lives. God values my family because my family is the smallest circle of influence that I have. Whether you live at home with biological or with adopted family, or you live by yourself, your family is the closest group of people with you. Jesus, in fact, said, my family is not just my biological family. My family uh, includes those who do the will of my father. And so your family is the smallest, most intimate group that you have, whatever composition that is in your life, and that's the group that you show your changed head, heart, and hands. You show your generosity to. And then we expand outward. Last week we talked about God values my membership and what it is to be a member here at Glendale Christian Church for your family is far bigger than just your biological family at home. Your family is your church family. 
And here we are together, brothers and sisters in Christ, and we have this mission to make disciples. And together, we are this loving, unified body of believers. But we need to expand even beyond our church membership. For today, we understand that God values my invitation. And this means that we will reach out to change the entire world for God. You see, discipleship involves three aspects. It involves invitation, transformation, and reduplication. Invitation is the call to follow Jesus. And every single one of us was called to follow Jesus in some way. And as soon as we accepted that call, and we decided that we would in fact be followers of Jesus Christ, his disciples, transformation begins. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind, the changing of our heart, and the disposition of our hands, our loving obedience is for others, not just for ourselves. And then reduplication is the process of disciples making more disciples. And as a disciple grows and is transformed, that disciple turns around and seeks to invite others to become disciples. And then seeks to help God in the transformation process. For invitation, much like transformation, is always done in three ways. Invitation comes from God's presence, from God's word, and from God's people. God's presence is ultimately the way that anybody comes to be a follower of Jesus, and God's presence has been very clear throughout Scripture. You think about some of the great aspects of God revealing himself. To Abram, he shouted, Go to the land I will show you. To Moses, he manifests in a burning bush. In the New Testament, the second person of the Trinity stepped off the throne of heaven and entered humanity made in his image, and King Jesus walked amongst his people. God's presence is calling us to be Christ's followers. But it's not just God's presence, it's also God's word. Isaiah 55, 11 says that God's word will not come back void. God is the master of heaven and earth, and when he sends out his word, it will come back, and it will do the work for which it was designed. And the word of God brings people to Christ. In fact, our own Chris Carino credits the Bible itself for him becoming a follower of Jesus. It wasn't merely God's presence or God's people. He decided he would read the Bible to see what it was all about. And God spoke through the pages of Scripture and transformed our brother, and powerfully so, and for our benefit. Here he is. And there are many stories of people who thought they could disprove the Bible. And they started pouring through it to see if they could find inconsistencies. And then they became followers of Jesus Christ. But God also uses his people. And in fact, if you ask everybody who goes to church, if you ask everybody who's a member here at Glendale Christian Church or any gospel-believing church, and you say, how did you come to be a follower of Jesus 80% of the people will say, someone invited me. Someone invited me to church. Someone invited me to a Bible study. Somebody invited me to talk about this stuff, and I became a follower because of that. There are lots of reasons that people might come to church. Maybe 5% will come because the preaching is really, really awesome. Maybe six here, I don't know. <laughs> lots of people will come because the music is dynamic. And lots of people will come because the community is powerful and unified. But most people will come because somebody invited them. And it is our job as God's people to be part of those who invite 
the world to know Christ. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us this much in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Listen to the words of the Apostle. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. In this small passage, we truly see God's heart for invitation. For here, inspiring the apostle to write these words, there are many takeaways that we can get from this passage. Let's break it down quickly and see what God has for us. Devoted to watchful and thankful prayer. We're certainly called to be devoted to prayer. And when we're called to be devoted to watchful prayer, we need to have two different things in mind. Watchful prayer, first of all, is looking for opportunities. We know this based on the context of the passage. Look for these open doors, look for these opportunities, and pray that we can proclaim the mystery clearly. When you're watchful in prayer, you're looking for opportunities to invite people. But expectant prayer and watchful prayer is not merely looking for opportunities. It's fully expecting that God will do something glorious with them. We who are devoted to prayer, we do not pray to God merely as some kind of answering service to God and we're not sure whether or not he will respond. We who are devoted to prayer know that that is how we commune with God. And we know that that is an interactive aspect of our relationship with God. And when we are devoted to prayer and we are watchful, we are fully expectant that those opportunities he reveals to us will in fact yield more followers of Jesus Christ. Oh yes, we will be devoted to prayer and it will be watchful prayer, but it will also be thankful prayer. We need to be thankful regardless of our circumstances. The Apostle Paul said, I'm in chains for the gospel. And he still called everybody to be thankful. Here he is in jail for preaching the gospel and he prays that he would be strengthened to share the gospel even more. So the very thing that landed him in jail is the thing he wants to do even more and even more powerfully. Oh, he can give thanks regardless of circumstances. We know that the Apostle Paul can do that, and we all should. Look, there are lots of terrible circumstances all around us. People die, people get sick, businesses are lost, people are isolated, and yet we can still give thanks. We can still give thanks because how many people have been able to watch and stay connected even if just virtually and are on the verge of coming back? Herd immunity is coming and vaccinations are being injected and people are starting to return and it's coming and we need to be ready. We need to be thankful because there is an entire nation of people starving for something and they might not even know what it is. But we know what it is. We know what it is. It's the truth of the gospel. And as we share it with them, we are fully expectant, fully watchful, and fully thankful in advance for God increasing our numbers. For it is God who will cause the growth. And so we must ask for open doors to proclaim Christ. That's what we have to do. If you pray to God, God, please open a door for me to share Christ, guess what? He will open that door. This is a prayer that is never gone without being answered in the affirmative. 
God is all about you sharing Christ. He's all about you sharing the gospel. And so if you ask for those open opportunities, those open doors, and you pay attention to those opportunities, and you're watchful and you're thankful, oh, they will be there. And then ask God to make you clear when explaining the mystery of Christ. Christ seems mysterious to people. People just don't understand. They think, how can this be? How can it be that in this world where everybody seems to have to do something to get something, where you have to earn the love and affection of others, how can it be that you guys are, are preaching this, this God loves you and this grace is here? It just doesn't make any sense to us. And mystery abounds. But the Apostle Paul has explained that mystery. In fact, in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, he says this, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Jesus Christ. What we have is the good news and the mysterious news that this good news is for everyone. It's for you. It's for the Gentiles, not just the Jew. And for today, it's for the guy who might not look like he goes to church. Today, it might be for the guy who's stuck on substances. For today, it might be the, the one who's been in a bad situation domestically. For today, it might be the person who's felt isolated and all alone. Yeah, the gospel is for you. Here's the mystery. It's for you. It's for you. We want you to participate in the promises that are in Christ Jesus. And here's the promise. When you place your faith in him and the Holy Spirit comes in you, you no longer live, but he lives for you. And you live for the one who died for you. And your life is ever changed. And now you no longer see the world the way you once saw the world. Everything is different. And because everything is different, we can act wisely toward outsiders. We have to act wisely toward outsiders. We can't put forward a bad message by our lifestyle. If we're proclaiming a good message with our voice, but advancing a bad message with our lifestyle, we have this inconsistency here. And in fact, the Bible tells us that we must share the gospel with gentleness and respect. We must be prepared, and so act wisely in how you deal with outsiders, because they're always looking. And so what you must do is seek to make the most of every opportunity. And there are opportunities abound. There are many, many opportunities. And therefore, your conversation should always be gracious and witty. Now, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, they tell it, it tells us, these verses tell us, that our conversation should always be full of grace and seasoned with salt. Now, full of grace has two aspects. We think about grace and we think about God's grace that saves, but there's also a graciousness that's human-oriented. And what we're called to do here is extend human graciousness to others because others aren't going to understand what's going on. They're going to be people who need to have the gospel explained multiple times. They're going to be people who don't believe it, and we need to be gracious in their discontent. They're going to be people who don't understand because of the circumstances of their lives, and we have to be gracious about this. This doesn't mean that we allow for sinful behavior. This doesn't mean that we water down the gospel. It means that we are gracious in delivery of the truth, and in fact, we season everything with salt. Now, the classical Greek expression, seasoning conversation with salt, meant that you were to be witty, witty. Now, I don't mean like ha-ha humor wit. I mean something more like charm. Always be charming. Always be winsome in the way you share the gospel. 
Talk to people in such a way that they know that you like, respect, and love, understand them, even though you want them to change, because you've been changed, and you know the power of that transformation. And so the wit here is more of a winsome, charming, reasoned explanation. Can you use your mind to reasonably explain the gospel? Of course, God values my knowledge. And as we grow in knowledge, we grow in our ability to invite other people to Christ. And therefore, we have to be ready to answer everyone. Because if we're sprinkling our conversation with salt and we've got wit and charm and winsome graciousness, people are going to say, what are you doing? Why are you nice to me when everybody else hates me? What, what are you doing? Why, why do you continue to share this with me when you know that I hate you? What, what are you doing? I don't understand. And now we have the opportunity that we've been praying for and we answer everyone in the same way we've been speaking and the good news of the gospel has been shared. This is what happens. Well, I hope that it is very, very clear to you through this passage of scripture that it uh, is obvious to you that God values my invitation. Oh, it better be clear to you that God values my invitation. And because God values my invitation, I'm going to extend my invitation. If God values my invitation, it is incumbent upon me to extend my invitation. That's what I have to do. And in fact, the Bible tells us not only that we should extend our invitation, it tells us how to extend our invitation, and it even gives us an example of extending the invitation. Let's listen to what the Apostle Paul says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. And listen for the invitation. Are you ready? Christ died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. This is all from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow. Did you see the invitation? In case you can't see it, it's the highlighted gold part through the rest. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's the pitch. We're imploring the world to be reconciled to God. And here's how God reconciles the world to himself. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we, might, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. It's the great cosmic swap. God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the one who had no sin. And what he did was trade places with us. See, here we are sinners, imperfect sinners, sinning against God, deserving wrath, deserving separation, deserving death on the cross. But Jesus Christ comes along and he says, I will become sin for them so that they in me might become the righteousness of God. And we trade places. Jesus, who never sinned, died for us who are sinful. And we who are sinful are clothed with the righteousness of Christ and we become new creations. That's the gospel message.
That's the pitch. That's what we're sharing with the world. And there are ways we can do it. There are ways we can do it. First of all, we can invite all people to discuss God's stuff. Everybody loves to talk about God's stuff. So invite them. Everybody you meet, say, hey, what do you think about God's stuff? And it doesn't matter who they are, they're going to have something to say. Everybody loves to talk about God's stuff, whether they love the right God stuff, whether they love the wrong God stuff, or whether they hate the idea of God stuff, they love to tell you. So ask them, hey, what do you guys think about God stuff? I don't know. What do you think about God stuff? Well, I think Jesus died for our sins and traded places with us. Or, or, either way, you're now in a God stuff conversation. How great is that? This is one of those times where we make opportunities by kicking the door down ourselves. For God has given us the message, and we are his ambassadors, so let's implore the world to be reconciled to him. Talk about God stuff with people. Invite unbelievers to follow Jesus. If you find out that they're not a believer, say, you should become a believer of Jesus Christ. You should follow Jesus Christ. You should become his disciple and give your life to him. If you know they're an unbeliever, invite them to follow Jesus. If they're a believer, invite them to become more radical. Oh, believer, you should stop living in the sinful lifestyle in which you're currently living. Be more radical. Oh, believer who just sits there and doesn't do anything, you should be more radical. Stop receiving and start giving. Be generous with your life. Give it all away. Give it all away. Oh, believer, stop identifying yourself by something in front of Christ. You're not an American Christian. You're a Christian in America. You're not a sinful Christian. You're a Christian struggling with sin. And I get so frustrated when people who claim Christ put their favorite sin in front of it as though, oh, I'm a murdering Christian. Oh, I'm a lying Christian. Oh, I'm a gay Christian. Stop putting a sin in front of your relationship with Christ and instead understand he's at the center of everything. And let him take the primacy because it doesn't matter where you live in this globe. It doesn't matter with what sin you struggle. You in him are made righteous. So let that be the defining element of your identity. And if it's not, believer, it's time to become more radical. I love Glendale Christian Church because our missionaries do all of these things. Oh, our missionaries do these things. And our missionaries do these things really, really well. Did you know that Glendale Christian Church supports a number of missionaries and missionary families and missionary organizations? If you are unaware of that, after the service today, you should leave the doors right behind you, and then you should turn right, and you should look at the brand new missions wall that has an atlas cut out of metal at the top and has the pictures of our missionaries and has the logos of our missionary organizations that we support because we support men, women, and families who invite all people to talk about God's stuff. We support men, women, families, and organizations who invite unbelievers to follow Christ. And we support men, women, families, and organizations who invite believers to become more radical. That's what we do here at Glendale Christian Church. And I want you to know who our missionaries are. I want you to know who our missionaries are so you can pray for them, so you can love them, so you can encourage them. And in fact, you have the opportunity to do so. If you go to our missions wall, you will see our five missionary families, our five or six missionary families laid out right there. And what you can do is see at the bottom of their picture and name, you'll see a QR code that you can scan and you can get out your smartphone and you can hold it up there and it will scan it and it will automatically take you to a website that has their name, their information, and it gives you the option to encourage our missionaries. And you can individually automatically send them an email message of encouragement. How awesome is that? 
Every one of our missionaries can get a message from every member in our congregation letting them know that we love them and we are praying for them. That will encourage them. But you might want to know more about them because maybe you don't even know who they are. On that same website, there's a button you can click and it will put you on the list so that you will get their weekly or monthly, whatever it is, newsletter. And every month you'll find out what they're doing. Oh, this missionary here is doing this and now you know exactly what to pray about. How encouraged would you be knowing about their work? It goes both ways. In fact, one of our missionaries, Brooke Eflin, she actually built the QR codes on there and the website that the QR code takes you to. And she does technological social media stuff for Christ to the world. And she gave us a little example of that. You can go out there, and when you click hers, you can see that she still needs a little bit more support. And maybe you decide that you're ready to help give her a little bit more support in terms of money, even, so that she can better do the work that God has called her to. Stick around after service for something special involving Brooke. But when it comes to these last two, invite the unchurched to church and invite fellow members to discipleship opportunities. Here are two ways that you can do it, Glendale. Are you ready? First of all, invite the unchurched to church. On your chairs, you got a card, and that card has Easter, come and see on it. And on the back, it has all the details. And what I want you to do is I want you to leave when you leave and pick up a little stack of five. There are five cards bundled together with a rubber band, and I want you to take that card, and then I want you to give them to people who don't go to church. I want you to start giving your card out to people and invite them to come to Glendale Christian Church on Easter. It's April 4th, and this year we've got three services. An outdoor sunrise service at 6.30, a classic or traditional service at 8.30, and a contemporary service at 10.45. And I want you to give these cards out to people. I want you to give these cards out to people. Now, there are a couple of groups that you can give your cards to. Let's think about this. You could give them to your family. If you have family or acquaintances and you know they don't go to church, you could invite them to church. You probably have coworkers who don't go to church and you could say, hey, come to Glendale on Easter. It'll be great, April 4th. Love to see you there. And maybe it starts a conversation. Or maybe your kid's on a ball team or a sporting team and you go to the field and you see there are other parents there and you strike up a conversation. Hey, where are you going to church? No, we don't really go to church. Well, you know what? You should come to our church on Easter. It's April 4th this year, and we'd love to have you. That's how we do it. Talk to your friends. Everyone knows 20 to 200 people. You have 20 to 200 family members, close workers, or acquaintances. Invite them. Invite them to church. If they don't go to church, invite them to church. And if you don't want to give them cards, here's what you do. You go to people you don't know really well, but that you just happen to be interacting with. Like maybe you're on the bus and you're like, hey, where do you go to church? Well, I don't go to church anywhere. Well, hey, why don't you come to Glendale Christian Church on April uh, 4th? It's Easter. It'll be awesome. Come check it out. Or maybe you're getting your hair cut and you're like, hey, where do you go to church? I don't go to church. Hey, take this card. You know what? Why don't you come to church? Come to Glendale on April 4th. It's Easter. It'll be great. Or maybe you go out to lunch today. And you take your stack of cards, and maybe John's your waiter, and you strike up a conversation with John, and you say, hey, John, where are you going to church? Oh, well, you know, I haven't really been back to church since uh, the pandemic. I don't really know what to do. I'm just grateful that I still have my job here. John, I'm grateful you've got your job here, too, and I want you to come to Glendale with us. And when you leave your tip, and it's going to be a generous tip because God values your generosity, and it's Sunday, and you're not going to make us look bad by being chintzy. <laughs> You're going to help John out. You're going to give him a big old generous tip, and you're going to put this card down. And before he, before you walk away, you're going to say, hey, John. 
why don't you come to church on Sunday, April 4th, it's Easter. That's what I want you to do. I want you to invite the unchurched to church. And you know what? There's another something I want to invite you to. It's not just inviting the unchurched to church. Sometimes you invite members to do something that will deepen their discipleship. So hey, would you like to go to Israel with me next year? Do you want to go to Israel with me next year as I teach about Mount Carmel on top of Mount Carmel? That would be very fun. Would you like to go to Israel with me next year right before Easter and we talk about the crucifixion and resurrection, where the crucifixion and the resurrection happened? Yeah, I'm going next year and I want you to go with me. And I'll take 60 people if you want to go. It's going to be fantastic. Now it costs, it costs. So before you spend all those Biden bucks, tuck some away and get ready to pay for your trip to Israel. All right? There's lots of different things you can do because if you're a member here and you want to go, let's go together. It'll be so fun. I'm going to go with my good friend from college, Justin Avery. He's the lead minister at Parkview uh, Christian Church in Chickasha, Oklahoma, and he works with New Covenant Tours. And my wife and I, we're going to co-host this trip, and it's going to be fun, and we'd love for you to go with us. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Because sometimes you just have to extend your invitation. Extend your invitation. Now, there was this one time I had to extend my invitation, but I was a little bit scared to do it. I didn't even know it was going to be time to extend the invitation. But here's what happened. I was sitting in my house, and all of a sudden, I was in Arkansas, I was with my wife, and all of a sudden, we heard bloody murderous screams coming from outside. And we didn't know what to do. And my wife gave me the look like, are you going to go do something? And I looked down, and I saw that I was wearing a Superman t-shirt, and I resolved in my heart, yes. I'm going to go do something. And so I burst out the door and I ran across the street. And the sight that I saw will be forever etched into my mind's eye. There was a mountain of a man. I mean, a huge man. Like me, but burly. Like huge, strong, bearded, motorcycle, you know, crossfit, heavyweights guys. Huge. And he was raining MMA-style death blows down on this scrawny guy. He was killing this guy. And so I knew I couldn't fight this guy. I don't know how to throw hands. I don't get involved in fisticuffs. But I knew I had to do something. And so I ran over there, seeing that mere conversation, even sprinkled with wit, was not going to win the day. I lodged myself in between the mountain and the scrawny man. And with all my might, I held off one of his brutal arms. And he had to use his other arm to support himself. So he was no longer able to rain his death blows down. Screaming out, call 911! In what felt like 45 minutes of wrestling a grizzly bear. Turned out to be two minutes until the police around the corner came up and slapped the silver bracelets on him. I was exhausted. I had lost 14 pounds in sweat in the two minutes. It was crazy. I have no idea how anybody wrestles or fights or does anything. And this guy was screaming out, I'm going to murder you. I'm going to kill you and your family. And I was like, yeah, but God loves you. And they took him away. Whew, I was glad they took him away. Then he got bailed out. And you know what I had to do? I had to go to Sonic, and I had to get a couple of Route 44s, and I had to go over to his house, and I had to say, ding dong, please don't hit me. Here's a Sonic drink. And I said, hey, do you want to go to Men's Encounter? It's this church men's group thing that we got coming up in a couple of weeks, and I'd love for you to go. Please don't hit me. Here, take the sonic drink. Do you want ocean water or cherry limeade? Your choice. <laughs> and he took them, and he took the drink, and his wife said, yes, he wants to go. And he looked over at his wife, and I thought there may be a domestic uh, incident. But 
This guy, realizing having, having just gone to jail, no more domestic uh, abuse was needed, and he said, and she said, oh, he'll be going. And so we went to Men's Encounter. I said, it'll be great. We learn about freedom and the forgiveness you have in Christ, even if you're trying to murder people in your front driveway. And so he went, and after a weekend of preaching and teaching about freedom in Christ, I baptized him on Sunday, and now he's a brother in the Lord, and things are good. Okay, and that's what we can do. Like, extend your invitation. Like, ask people to go to church. Ask people to talk about God stuff. Ask people to get deeper. You can do it. God values my invitation, so I'm going to extend my invitation. But not just that, I'm going to refine my invitation. Because what if you're not very good at it? What if you're like, well, I'm not very good at it. I might give my card away, but I don't really know what to do. You can give your card away and say, hey, where do you go to church? You know where? Come to Glendale Christian Church on Easter. It's April 4th. Love to see you there. And you might be like, but I'm not very good at that. Okay, well, guess what you need to do? Practice, practice, practice. Get better. Refine your invitation. And in fact, the Bible has something to say about refining your invitation. Let's now look at 1 Corinthians, this time chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those having the law, I became like one not having the law. Those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. You got to refine your invitation. And you know how it is that we refine our invitation? Yeah, we practice, practice, practice. But you got to tailor the message, which never changes, to the audience, which always changes. When you are holding off the mountain of a man murdering his friend, you tailor the message, and you make it very specific to murderous threats. When you're talking to fifth graders, you make it very different than when you're talking to senior citizens. When you're talking on the bus, you talk differently than you might on Wednesday night men's discipleship group night. But you never start talking about different stuff. You're always talking about the gospel. But you change your approach. You have to be innovative in your approach and traditional in your content. Because at Glendale, we're all about tradition and innovation. We have to practice. The message never changes, but our approach must always change given the changing world in which we live. So we might use the internet. We might use a megaphone. We might use a personal conversation. But in each one of those things, we'll be talking about the gospel. Oh, yes, we'll be talking about the gospel. God values my invitation, so I will follow my invitation. You've got to follow your invitation. You can't just invite somebody. Because if they accept, you now are obligated to follow. You've got to follow that invitation. In fact, the Bible has a really cool example of this involving our guy, Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 14, verses 21 through 23. They, meaning... Saul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they'd put their trust. Now, Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 13 were called by the Holy Spirit to go be missionaries. And so they went on all these missionary journeys and they made churches everywhere they went. They found people, they got them to believe in Jesus and become followers, and they started churches. And they didn't just leave. 
They made sure to go back and visit them and say, all right, how's it going? Okay, it's time to appoint some elders because we need some spiritual human overseers so that you make sure that you're in proper doctrine and you are protected. And they made sure to appoint elders. And by fasting and laying on of hands and prayer, they committed these people to the service of the Lord. We have to follow our invitation because when we don't, disaster looms. In the 1800s, there was something known as the Great Revival sweeping through these United States. And you may have heard me pray for another great revival. I've prayed for revival in this land for a long time. Well, in the 1800s, there was a revival. And Christian preachers, they would go and they would find people who needed to know the Lord and they would share the gospel and then they would move on to other towns. But instead of coming back and appointing elders, they just left. And do you know what happened? Within 80 miles and 80 years of each other, the three great American heresies of Seventh-day Adventism, Jehovah Witnessism, and Mormonism were born. 80 miles of each other. 80 years of each other. People were invited. People started following. And their transformation went askew because those who invited didn't go to follow. When you invite someone and they accept, you follow up. You follow up. You say, come to church, and you invite them to your Sunday school class. You say, come to church, and you bring them to your discipleship group. You say, come to church, and you invite them to your small group. You say, come to church, and you talk to them one-on-one, and you make sure that their doctrine is square. And if you're unsure about doctrine, you find me or one of the elders, and we help make sure the doctrine is square because we're not going to let people come to Christ and then go astray because their invitation gets messed up. No, no, no. God values my invitation. He also values my participation in transformation. And so here's how we're going to do it. Here's the objectives. Here's what you got to do this week. And there are two giant things I need you to do. Number one, invite people to experience Easter at Glendale Christian Church by sharing the cards. Take the card that's on your seat. Take a bundle of five cards as you leave. And if you're going to give them away, take two bundles. I don't care. We're going to give away. We can print more. Hand them to people. Don't just slip them under windshield wipers. Hand them to people. Hey, where do you go to church? Oh, great, that's awesome. I hope you guys have an awesome Easter service. Go Christ. And they say the same thing. But you find that one guy. Hey, where do you go to church? Well, I don't go to church. You want to go to Glendale? You want to go to Glendale Christian Church with me on Easter? It's April 4th. And you hand them the card, and they have been invited. It says you're invited. You have invited them. We use the cards, and we invite people. And then, second, we need to be devoted to prayer, to watchful, thankful, and expectant prayer for the next month. Do you know when Easter is? One month. Easter is in a month. It's a month away. And so for the next month, I need all of us to be super devoted to prayer. Watchful, thankful, expectant prayer. And here's specifically what I need you to pray for. Don't worry, I'll post these later today. You don't have to write them all down. I'm going to go quickly. Pray for our missionaries and our mission organizations. Pray that they can do the good work of inviting people to know Christ. Pray that God will bring 600 plus people to GCC on Easter. 600 in-person worshipers. Oh, that's a big ask. We haven't even had 300 since we came back. And we're asking for 600 plus. Yep. God can do it. And you know how he's going to do it? His people inviting other people. It's beautiful how discipleship works. That's how it's going to happen. Pray for your potential guests, your friends, your acquaintances, the people you know, the people you meet at restaurants. Pray for opportunity to invite them to church. Look for that open door. Look for that open door. 
Pray for your awareness of that opportunity. See it, find it, notice that open door. Pray for their awareness of their need. You realize the gospel doesn't really make sense to people who don't think they have any need. We have to pray that people are aware of their need, which is one of the hardest things about being a disciple maker in these United States of America. Pray for the courage to invite them to church. Don't give up. Don't be scared. Pray for the courage to invite them. Pray that they will accept the invitation. Pray that they would follow through and actually come and see. Pray that our church will welcome them. Oh, we've got to be welcoming. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter how they're dressed. It doesn't matter what color their skin is. It doesn't matter what job they have. It doesn't matter how much money they have. It doesn't matter if they know anything about God's stuff or not. We're going to welcome them. Church can get messy sometimes. So shall it be. Pray that the message and the worship would be awe-inspiring. Pray that I do a good job on Easter because I got to preach the gospel clearly. Pray that Derek does a good job leading us in music because it's got to be awe-inspiring because that's why... That's what's going to make people who don't know want to come back. They hear the good song and they hear the good message and they're like, I guess I'll go back. And then pray that they would hear and they would grow one step closer to God. One step closer to God. It's not like they're all going to get baptized right away. They might. I'm ready for it. And if you need to get baptized today, we'll move this apart and we'll baptize you right now. I'm ready. But would you pray that they get one step closer to following Christ? That's what we need. That's what we need. So that's what we're going to pray. So let's pray together, but don't leave when we're done because we've got something very, very special that we're going to do real quick before we leave. So would you stand with me and pray? Let's pray about this. And if anybody needs to come to Christ, if anybody needs to join the church, if anybody just needs prayer, would you come down and talk to Chris or myself?